0: Um, there was a poem that Anna read uh, uh, this morning. Then thank you so much for that. I don't, she really didn't want to do it, um, but like I said, we've got a lot of people out today for various reasons that are not here, and so all of our normal readers were were not available. So Anna stepped up to the plate. So thank you. But if you noticed, Anna read a poem this morning that was titled Saint Paul, and uh, at the end of it went that he blesses the flesh of every other race. Okay. It helps them see what the apostles saw. The glory of the Lord in Jesus' face. Strong in his weakness, joyful in his pains, and bound by love who freed him from his chains. This is probably the only poem I've ever even read on St. Paul, but it's got this beautiful imagery right, of this guy who, who went from persecuting the church, it said in the beginning of the poem, as an enemy of the Christian faith to... You know, being the one who sees and blesses the flesh of other races and the glory of the Lord in Jesus' face and strong in his weakness, joyful in his pains, bound by love and freed in his chains. And we're beginning a new series. Uh, we started last week. If you're interested in the intro to this whole series, I did an intro on the book of Philippians. You can go back and listen to the podcast or find it on Facebook Live. But we're listening, we're, we're, we're reading through a letter that St. Paul. Wrote to a church, a church that he helped plant, right from Acts 16, um, in the influential Roman city uh, of, of Philippi, and it's a letter that he wrote from prison. We we, we talked probably in Ephesus, and he's thanking this church and he's encouraging his friends. And today we're going to be looking at what he says about himself being imprisoned for the gospel, being in chains, and his reassurance to this new community. That they too can keep on keeping on even in the face of persecution because we'll see in a minute that despite his less than ideal situation, that he's in. Because this idea of Paul being in prison for the good news, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, is really the foundation for this, this letter. Let's pray and then, and then we'll dig in. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. As we contemplate this letter to the church in Philippi this morning, God, would you give us new eyes with which to see, new hearts with which to feel, new ears with which to hear, and new hands and feet with which to engage the world in that same love, that same good news, that same gospel that Christ brings to us. We pray all these things in your heavenly name. Amen. So last week, we kind of opened up a little bit by talking about how we've all, you know, the pandemic's kind of, you know, this crud that we all kind of have to wade through. And then we've also got our own muck that kind of builds on top of it. And and I was thinking this week as I was reading through these, these, these verses from from Philippians that, you know, when we're in a funk, like what is it that helps us get out of that funk, right? We've all got these different things let's say I mean I the other night I I was in I was having kind of one of those days that you just don't want to wake up you know you just don't really want to continue in in this game of life sometimes you know what happens and and I ended up going to the beach at night it was it was it was pitch black except for the stars and, and the moon was shining a little bit and I was just swimming in the dark and that was something that kind of helped me pull from from that funk you know that that well, it's not totally warm water in New Hampshire but it's it was fun. It was refreshing, you know. Or, or oftentimes for me, music can do the same thing. I can kind of lift my moods, lift my spirits, and so. Just I want you to think of that for yourself. Like, what is it for yourself that when you're kind of down and out, you can get uh, kind of, you know, kind of perk your your spirits up a bit. And as we know, and we're going to keep exploring, St. Paul has every reason to be in a funk here, right? St. Paul has every reason to be down and out, to be dejected. Because he's in prison. He's, he, he's, he's, the, he's literally in chains in his feet, and yet there's something that he says in this next section that's going to keep him going. So if you're following along, we're going to be in chapter 1 still. We're still in chapter 1 of Philippians. Uh, but we're gonna be, uh, we ended off with verse 11 last week. Now we're going to be in verse 12. And so after uh, Paul's intro to this letter, that's what we read last week, he continues and says, Adelphoi, brothers and sisters... I now want you to know that the things against me have come about for the progress of the good news for the gospel. Wherefore, my bonds in in Christ have become visible in the whole praetorium, and to all the rest of those who are imprisoning me. And a greater number of the brothers and sisters are having confidence in the Lord as a result of my bondage, more abundantly having courage to talk about the word of Theo, of God, without fear. Indeed, he says, some are proclaiming the Christ from jealous envy and a contentious spirit. However, others are proclaiming the Christ from what seems good. And the ones who proclaim Christ truly out of love are perceiving that I am laid down, that I am appointed for the defense of the good news. But moreover, the ones proclaiming the Christ out of rivalry, not with pure motives, are expecting that they are adding more suffering to my bonds. What then? Basically, like, what then should I do? Accept that in every way. Whether in pretense or in truth, Christos is being proclaimed. He says, and in this I rejoice, even more so, I will rejoice because I consider that this will be for my salvation through your entreaty, your supplication, and the lavish resources of the Numatos Iesu Christo, the spirit of, the Je- of Jesus Christ. According to the anticipation and the hope that I will be dishonored in nothing, but with all confidence, even now Christos as always will be made great in my body whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christos, Christ, and to die is gain. We're going to kind of pause here for a second. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's number one encouragement, not just for himself in, in prison, but also for this new at-risk alternative community in this Brutus Roman world, is that to live is Christ and to die is is gain. You see, in this uh, Roman province of Philippi, when Paul was writing the letters to this new church, this new church was living in ways that the Romans and the other Hebrew people around them were not used to seeing people living. This was a dog-eat-dog world. This was survival of the fittest. This was, you do what you got to do to keep on keeping on, and there really is no love lost between brothers. But you see, this alternative community and Paul, they were truly loving on people. They they were giving to those who were in need. They were were living in such a way that the people in Philippi, the people in the province, they did not know what was going on. And so therefore, as we saw with Paul in Acts 16, he was even put in prison because he took that lady's or that couple's livelihood away. right? There was a slave who was being forced to tell fortunes, and Paul spoke against that. And he got put in prison because it took the slave owner's livelihood away. You see, this is the alternative community that this new way was trying to be formed in Philippi. And so Paul's encouragement here is to keep on keeping on. Keep living in Christ because he says to live is Christ and to die is gain. If we go back to verse 12, if you want to jump back to where we started, he says, brothers and sisters, okay? I now want you to come to know. And this word in the Greek is to come to know through like personal knowledge. Like a a knowledge that comes because you've got firsthand experience in it. Not just that you've heard this from Paul, but he wants them to know, to truly know through this alternative community of love what it's like to live in an alternative community. He goes, I want you to know now that the things that are against me, the reason that I'm in prison, he goes, more have come about for the progress of the good news or the gospel. This is why for Paul to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, this is what it's all about for Paul. His main objective post-conversion in Acts 8 is for the advancement of the good news. This, this, this word euangelion that we read in, in the Greek. If we look into this and we really dig in, um, you know, pros copain, pro pain, this word that I, I translated to progress, literally means advancement by chopping down whatever impedes progress. And so you see, in a sense, you see that St. Paul is willing to, to basically chop down all the obstacles in his way, including going to prison, so that way other people might have that same saving knowledge of Christ that he has and can live into this same community. It's this good news of Christ His life, teaching, death, resurrection, ascension. But the flip side of that good news is also that radical new kingdom that was ushered in. This new kingdom that Jesus himself speaks of in Luke 4. You might remember this when Jesus was preaching uh, in a synagogue. Where he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's that same Greek word that Paul uses for gospel, euangelion. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set those oppressed free. And so from his own prison cell, his own jail cell, he writes, wherefore, now we're in verse 13, wherefore my desmus, my bonds in Cristo have become visible. They've become made known. they become manifest in the complete Praetorio, Praetorium. The Praetorium was a, like the governor's house, the palace guard. It, it, it's all those people who are responsible for you know, keeping law and order in the Roman society. And he's saying all these people now know about this good news. They know about Christ, his words, his life, his death, his ascension. And then in verse 14, he says, And that now a greater number of the brothers and sisters are having confidence in the Lord by my desmues, my bonds. They're more abundantly having courage to talk about the logo, the word of Theo. And he says this, Without fear see, more people, he says, a greater number of people, he says, have been emboldened now to speak of this good news, this gospel that through Christ, we've been given the salve, right? That's what salvation is. It's salve to cover our wounds. We've been given the salve that we so desperately need, that Christ's way and his better way than we usually think to do things is freedom for the prisoner and oppressed and sight to the blind. And he's encouraging this community in Philippi that through the spirit of Christ, they've now been given a completely new way to think about life and to enact and to be a part of the world around them. It's one that centers its community on Christ and that salve that he brings to us and to other people. It's one that actually produces, you see, the good news is not good news if we simply say, yeah, I know that Jesus is for me, and then I go in my room and I do my little prayers, right? That, that's great, that can be a part of this, but the gospel can't live its fullest potential unless the church, the community in Philippi, our church, our churches around the world are producing the same fruit that brings freedom. To those who are oppressed that brings freedom to those who are imprisoned that produces the fruit that gives sight to those who are in need you see he's imploring this new community to hold all those around us all those around us right not just the people we like not just the people in this room not just the people that think like us but to hold all of those around us with hearts of grace and peace remember he said this in the beginning of his letter I open up my letter said grace and peace to you. You see, the grace and peace, what we call the atonement or the at-oneness, the oneness with the author of life through Christ Jesus, together with this radical new alternative way of living as community, is the gospel. That is the good news in which Paul is willing to, to go to prison, and he's dead-said on defending. You see, Christ came, right? He was born into this world of ours. And as he lived his life, he taught us what it means to be and to have him and his spirit inside of us. And then Paul goes on in verse 16, and he acknowledges this and goes, I've been laid down, I've been appointed for the apologian, the defense of the evangelion." This word, uh, you know, apologian, is is a well-reasoned logical reply, as in, why is it that you believe or you're doing, what is it that you do? And yet I often wonder what we would say or what is it that we do say. This is just something to think about this week as we, you know, take the liturgy from this service and push out into the liturgy of our week. It's just something to think about what are the words that we speak in defense of why we live into this gospel. like As in, why do we love our neighbors? Why do we pray for our enemies? Why are we about breaking the chains of the oppressed? Why are we about doing the things that Christ compels us to do? What is the defense that we have of this good news for all people? Just something to think about. What are the words we can say when someone asks us, like, well, why would you do that? You know, like, you're... You already have a hard life. Why would you take that challenge on as well? Yet words alone, a a verbal defense. This is only half the picture that Paul paints here, right? Because he says to live is what? Is Christ, right? To live is literally Christ in that sacred center heart of our being. And then in verse 27, he implores those in Philippi. He says, not only to speak of Christ in this new kingdom, not only to, be, to speak about freedom for the imprisoned, not only to speak about freedom for the oppressed, not only to speak about blind, right? We can speak things all we want. You know, on occasion, I'll get a, a note from someone like, well, hey, why doesn't the church do this? Great, they, they thought about why the church should be about something, right? And I'll say, hey, let's go grab some coffee and talk about it. Oftentimes it's radio silence. Because it's easy to speak that something should be some way. It's easy to tear something down. It's easy to deconstruct something without being willing to put the work in to then build it back up. To give there to be a reason. This is why I can't stand talk show hosts or cable news hosts or whoever it is that's out there. They're all about tearing and taking things down. Usually, there is very, very little constructive. Like, how can we now live into this? It's very easy to speak about bringing freedom to those in sight for the blind. Because then he writes in verse 27, this is where I'm getting to, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, live a life worthy of that good news. Simply speaking words of defense on why you believe something is not living a life worthy of that good news. That Greek word that, it's an adverb, uh, axios, that I said worthy, literally is being suitable because it's having worth that matches actual value. That's it. It's that there's something is matching the value that you have, it's worth that matches the words that we speak. Because to live is Christ is to be Christ to those around us. And to die is gain, he says, when we die to self, right? Not only when we die, we, 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 we may be with Christ in a, in, in a way that we can't even comprehend. But when we die to ourselves and we're living for others and we live for the gospel and we live so that a hurting world can also receive the same good news, that same salve of freedom and sight that we've been in some way touched by. This is what Paul's talking about with us speaking words of gospel and also living into those words of good news you see it's not good news if it's not good news for all it can't just be good news for me and bad news for you that's not what good means it's for the betterment of of the cosmos and so here's what we're going to do this morning I'm going to invite Stephen uh, to come up and play some music with us Um, For us, Uh, Why don't you play in D since that's what we're going to go next. Um, And we're going to spend a few moments in contemplative prayer. We've actually done this exact same exercise in the past. Uh, So if you've been here, you're you're familiar with this exercise. It's a contemplative prayer uh, that allows us to meditate upon our own thoughts and our words and our um, ways in which we live. I mean, let's face it. Our lives are often spent in our head. I mean, if you're me, they're spending our head, I mean, literally 24 hours a day, my head is just racing. But these thoughts then lead to words, right? And sometimes our words and our thoughts lead to the way that we live. So let's pray. Gracious God, we know we need not summon you into our midst for you are already here. We simply ask that you would allow us to notice your presence. Notice your spirit that is as close as the air we breathe. With whatever is going on in our life, we bring our whole selves before you now. We ask for your guidance, that as we examine our thoughts, our words and our deeds of our past week, you would reveal to us who we are in your eyes, not who we think we ought to be, but who we are to you, your beloved sons and daughters. Help us to be still and know, to truly know that we are your beloved sons and daughters. And that you listen without condemnation, but in love. Please speak, Lord, for your children are listening. I want you to simply notice your breath. You can do this with your eyes open, your eyes closed. This is your time to spend with God. I want you to notice your breath. You don't have to seek to change it. Just notice the breath that's coursing in and out of your lungs without any help from you. And simply ask God to reveal to you some of the thoughts you had this past week. And as you're thinking about some of the thoughts, some of the interactions you might have been having this past week, perhaps one of them is coming to the surface. Maybe there's a strong thought and a strong opinion that you held this week. What attitudes did you carry with you? What presumptions did you make about other people or other events that are going on? How did you perceive yourself? How did you perceive your situations and the people of your past week? Just take a brief moment, take about 20 seconds or so, and just think about the thoughts that you had this week that are coming to the surface now. Now as you were speaking with God, perhaps a particular strong or influential thought came to mind, just pick one. There may have been more, but just pick one that seems to be the strongest thought you had this week, good or bad, and just sit with that thought for a moment. What was the source of that thought? Did that thought lead to greater or less spiritual freedom in your week? Did it lead to greater or less spiritual freedom for the others you encountered during the week? Did it lead to greater faith, hope, and love? Or lesser faith, hope, and love? Just spend another moment, another 20 seconds or so contemplating that one particularly strong thought. If you find your mind wandering, perhaps you can even go back to that sacred word we used for in our centering prayer, or maybe even notice your breath again. But now I want you to ask God to reveal to you the words you spoke aloud this past week. What were the strongest or most important words that came from your mouth? Perhaps you were in a meeting with people, you were speaking with someone online, or maybe you were speaking to a loved one whatever it might be, ponder the source of your words. Were they from your heart? Or were they for from like a place of dissatisfaction or envy or greed or jealousy? Perhaps give thanks or ask for forgiveness depending on the words that are coming to mind. And just sit with these words for a moment. Did these words lead to greater or lesser spiritual freedom this week? Did they lead to greater or lesser spiritual freedom for others? Did the words you spoke lead or the words you typed lead to a greater faith, hope, and love for yourself and others or less faith, hope, and love? Just spend another 20 seconds contemplating the words that you spoke this week. If it helps, just pick one particular strong situation that you're thinking and bring that to mind. And finally, last one, ask God to reveal to you the deeds of your past week or your actions, the ones that came about as a result of your thoughts and your words. What did you do this week that was loving and kind? What did you do this week that was perhaps unloving and unhelpful or or what did you do this week that was bringing Christ into the lives of others and perhaps where? Did you fall short in that endeavor? What motivated your deeds? What motivated your actions? Again, give thanks for those actions or ask for forgiveness depending on what's coming to mind. And just sit with these for a moment. Did the actions you took this week lead to greater or less spiritual freedom in your week? Greater or less spiritual freedom for others during the week? greater faith hope and love or lesser faith hope and love for the last time spend about 20 seconds 30 seconds contemplating the actions you took this past week please speak lord for your children are listening Father God, Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, as we move forward in hope, as we take the liturgy of this service into the liturgy of our week, would you allow our thoughts and words and deeds to be pleasing in your sight so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name, living lives worthy of the gospel, of the good news for all people. Give us the strength to face whatever it is that we face tomorrow. Give us the hope that you have overcome. And give us the peace that surpasses all understanding so that we allow our hearts to become transformed in your truth. So that our thoughts, our words, our deeds may always lead to greater spiritual freedom, greater faith, hope, and love for us and for all those who surround us. We pray all this in Christ Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom